0: All right. good morning everybody and welcome. I'm pleased to be here today to share a few words about the collaborative approach that our government is taking to address one of the most urgent social issues we are facing right now in the province of Alberta. Before I do, I want to acknowledge that we are gathered here today on the traditional territory of the signatories to Treaty 7, as well as the Métis people who have a deep connection with this land. I've often said that for some of the greatest challenges we face, not one level of government can address these alone. Part of my role as Minister of Municipal Affairs is to collaborate and help collaborate on important discussions. Many conversations with Calgary representatives have been around addiction, mental health, homelessness, and, of course, community safety. I'm here with several of my Cabinet colleagues today to announce pieces of a framework that we've put together to support communities right across across Alberta as local leaders and service providers come together to reach Albertans who desperately need help. We will hear today from Minister Milliken for Mental Health and Addictions and Minister Nixon for Seniors, Community and Social Services. I'll leave it to each of my colleagues today to share the details of the initiatives that they are bringing forward from their ministries, and reporters will then have the opportunity to ask questions. Our government takes the addiction crisis and its related concerns very seriously. We've heard loud and clear from municipalities across Alberta about the need for a collaborative approach, and we are committing to that, including right here in Calgary. With that said, I'll ask Minister Milliken for his remarks.
1: Move this up a bit. <laughs> thank you, uh, Minister Schultz, and thank you everyone for coming here today. Uh, I am pleased to be here with this group of talented and committed individuals to discuss our government's next steps in tackling addiction, homelessness, and public safety issues here in Calgary. These social issues have impacted every community in Alberta, and Calgary is, of course, No exception. As a local MLA, I have seen firsthand the impact uh, that these issues have had on our city, and I have heard many concerns from family, friends, and constituents. One Calgarian's comments in a CBC article from this summer summarizes the impact the addiction crisis has had on our city and on the day-to-day lives of its residents. They said... I used to frequently take my children on the train and visit downtown parks, spend a day at the zoo, places where parking is somewhat inconvenient or expensive. Now, I wouldn't dream of taking my children on a bus or a train in Calgary. As a Calgarian, stories like this are heartbreaking to me, heartbreaking to hear. This is why we cannot stand idly by We must take action to address addiction, which has become one of the most urgent social issues facing our city and the province. Since 2019, Alberta's government has taken action to provide more addiction treatment options for Albertans. We've expanded addiction treatment capacity, made opioid addiction treatment available on demand, and worked with police to ensure they are part of the solution. But our work cannot stop there. We are going to continue to build a system of addiction and mental health care that is focused on prevention, intervention, treatment and recovery. To further address these social issues affecting our city, my cabinet colleagues and I are establishing the Calgary Public Safety and Community Response Task Force. The task force will implement a series of initiatives in Calgary focusing on treatment, addiction, Uh, mental health and homelessness, and improving public safety. The Calgary Public Safety and Community Response Task Force will be chaired by Minister Nixon, we will begin work immediately on implementing the $187 million in funding to address these issues in Alberta's urban centres. Specifically in Calgary, nearly $58 million of this funding will go directly towards addressing addiction and homelessness here in Alberta's largest city. The work this funding covers includes further increasing treatment capacity with a new recovery community in Calgary, transforming correctional living units uh, into treatment centres, Creating hybrid health and police hubs in Calgary's downtown, expanding medical detox services, deploying harm reduction and recovery outreach teams, expanding access to emergency shelter space, piloting a service hub model to increase access to recovery and improving access to affordable housing options that support recovery. The funding behind these initiatives is in addition to more than 73 million in funding for Calgary shelter spaces and other housing supports this year, and the nearly 10 million already allocated to further increase access to addiction treatments beyond the 8,000 spaces initiative. The work of this task force will begin immediately, and I look forward uh, to working with all of the members as we carry out this important work. Thank you very much, and then at this stage, I think it's best that I turn it over to Minister Nixon. Thank you.
2: That was definitely worth an applause. Thank you, Minister Milken. Uh, Thank you, Minister Milken and uh, Milken, for for all of your uh, great work and leadership on this file. Uh, I'm very pleased to be able to be here today, to be able to participate uh, in this working group and uh, uh, to be able to partner with so many great uh, folks uh, around the table here. There's been a remarkable amount of great work that's already been done in Calgary, and uh, to be able to build off of that success and uh, excellent work. So first of all, I wanted to be able to begin by thanking Minister Schultz, uh, Minister Milliken, as well as Minister uh, Ellis, um, who isn't here, able to be here today. Um, but they've already been able to do a lot of remarkable work to get started here. And again, uh, commend the city of Calgary um, and uh, the partners that are behind here, but also all of our not-for-profit organizations who have been working diligently on the front lines uh, to get the work done. And uh, special thanks to my friend Patricia Jones with the Calgary Homes Foundation, uh, who has been able to provide uh, significant leadership in helping bring our not-for-profits and community partners together to be able to collaborate and address uh, many of the issues that we're facing on the streets today and in our communities. Addiction, mental illness, and homelessness have been top of mind uh, for this government uh, since we first took office in 2019. These are complex, complex issues that don't have easy solutions. And uh, we have, uh, of course, been working on this since the beginning. We've had other task forces with great recommendations. And I'm pleased to be able to say that we've been working towards implementing those recommendations uh, and that's part of what the importance of this continued work is going to be, is uh, building off of the success of the recommendations that we've put in and uh, figuring out how we best move forward. So uh, to introduce the members of the task force, I've already mentioned Minister Milliken, Minister of uh, Mental Health and Addictions, uh, myself, of course, Minister of Seniors, Community, and Social Services, Minister Mike Ellis, uh, Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, Minister Rebecca Schultz, the Minister of Municipal Affairs. Uh, Ruben Breaker, Counselor of Assinipoca Assiniboine uh, Nation, Jody Two Guns, Executive Director of Social Development, Satina Nation, Sonia Sharp, Ward 1 Counselor, City of Calgary. Andre Chabot, Ward 10 Counselor, City of Calgary. David Duckworth, City Manager, City of Calgary. City Dongworth, uh, Fire Chief, Calgary Fire Department, Mark Neufeld, Chief of Police, Calgary Police Services, Carrie Bales, Senior Program Officer, Provincial Addiction and Mental Health, Alberta Services Health Services. Tony Passage, Associate Executive Director, EMS Operations, Alberta Health Services, South Zone. And, of course, Patricia Jones, the Executive Chief Executive Officer of Calgary Homeless Foundation. The list of people I just shared with you is made up of individuals who have daily experience in dealing with individuals facing homelessness, mental health, and addictions. Of course... Uh, for me, my background is not-for-profit, uh, spending my entire career before politics, uh, serving Albertans in this way uh, at the Mustard Sea Canadian Mental Health, as well as the Boys and Girls Clubs of Calgary, working with homeless youth. And so I've witnessed uh, a lot of the challenges uh, firsthand. And uh, my colleagues, uh, Rebecca Schultz and, and Nick Milken talked a little bit about what the what is and, and the why. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about why. We're here today and why this work is so important from my own experience working in the front lines. I first ran for office uh, to bring a voice from the front lines. And uh, that's what I intend to do here today and with this council uh, in partnering with our, our great organizations and the many people that, that work in this field and, and uh, have lived experience in homelessness. Um, one of the hardest things that you can imagine uh, is when you reach out for help to address your addiction or, or anything else. And there's no hand there to help you with, with that support or to provide that support. And, you know, one example, uh, was a gentleman named Andrew, uh, that I was working with at the mustard seed. And for the longest time, he was struggling with addictions. And I remember one day he came to me and he said, I need help. I want to do something about this. And, uh, I said, okay, let's do something about this. And we, we got him down to the detox center, but there was no room for him. And, uh, he cried the whole way back because he was so desperate for that help. I remember another uh, lady that I was working with on the floor of the mustard seed uh, who became a risk to herself and and to the rest of the people in the program. And uh, we had to call the police. And they came and they picked her out. Picked her up, they brought her to the hospital. She was discharged 10 days later, and she was right back at the shelter. Nothing had changed for her. I remember uh, when I was with the Boys and Girls Club of Calgary, uh, one, one youth that was intaked and discharged from justice eight times. It's completely unacceptable. I remember one night I was working down at the mustard seed, and this was, this was every night. But one, one particular gentleman had become a complete uh, risk to, to the folks around him. And uh, the police came, picked him up, but they had nowhere to bring him. And so they ended up dropping him off about 10 blocks down the street. He made his way right back to us. We need to do better for folks like that. I know many situations where folks are dealing with uh, significant health challenges and they end up in the hospital to get the support that they need and they end up getting discharged and, and, and to the shelter floor where they need better, more appropriate medical treatment. I also remember working at the Boys and Girls Clubs where about 65% of my youth were Indigenous. And uh, working with them and working with our Indigenous partners to make sure that we had culturally appropriate program to help connect these young people with leaders and and adults from their community to help them understand the the rich history of their culture and help them to get a sense of pride and reconnect back into their community and the importance of that work, the impact that was for those youth. The vision of the mustard seed when we worked there, and still is, uh, was about community mobilization. It was about bringing community together to resolve issues. And I believe that that's what the vision of this committee is. And that's what you see behind us. We've brought community together. We've brought layers of government. We've brought service providers. We've brought indigenous leaders together so that we can work towards addressing these very complex issues. Now, I'm I'm thrilled uh, because I do believe that Calgary, under some great leadership, has brought these communities together and has already paved the way and has had a lot of success in addressing these challenges. But since I worked the Front lines, the challenges have gotten more complex, challenging the addictions issues and the mental health issues have gotten worse. And so there's still work to be done. So I look forward to being able to build on the success of the great leaders behind me and the many great leaders across the city and to partner with this team to continue to move forward to help address this very challenging issue of homelessness addiction, and mental health in our communities. With that said, we'll open up for questions
1: from you. Uh, We do have a few reporters on the line as well, so we're going to go back and forth from the floor to the phones. There's a stationary mic behind the cameras. (laughs) Just so your audio can get put into the feed, we'd ask that you use that. I see Alana's in line, so go ahead. Uh, One question, one follow-up, please. Sure.
0: Alana Smith, the Globe and Mail. Uh, I just wanted to touch on, you said correctional living units will be transformed into treatment centers, and there will also be hybrid health and police hubs. I'm looking for specifics on these. So, is the government considering legislation that would enable police or social agencies to hold someone who is intoxicated on drugs or alcohol in lockup longer to then put that individual into involuntary drug treatment?
1: Um so with regards to the uh, new health and police hubs, uh, those haven't quite been built out yet. So once we have those fully uh, fleshed out, then we'll obviously be able to uh, give you more details with regards to that. I think what you were talking about there had to do with individuals um, who were... Uh, I guess the the best way to kind of look at it would be, is there a way for some of these individuals who are in the throes of addiction to uh, be helped with regards to to solving perhaps some of their issues of addiction? Um, There's obviously a whole continuum of care that we've been building out with regards to that with the recovery-oriented system of care, which includes uh, everything from aspects of harm reduction to uh, making sure that we build out the capacity of treatment beds, Uh, also other aspects such as reducing user fees so that once people can get into treatment that they have that opportunity without any sort of a financial uh, issue that could preclude them from being able to do that. So thank you very much.
0: Sorry, I'm not sure you answered my question. So I'm asking about the correctional living units being transferred into treatment centers. What exactly does that look like? And what is the government considering when it comes to involuntary treatment?
1: Sure. Um, with regards to anything um, in, say, uh, correctional uh, living units, we're making sure that individuals who have been uh, picked up uh, into the justice system have access to health care uh, immediately. One of the aspects that I think you probably might be aware of is our uh, work that we've done with regards to VODP to make sure that uh, individuals who have been picked up into the justice system have uh, uh, access free and on demand to, uh, evidence based opioid addiction or opioid agonist therapy. Um, so there's that. And then with regards to, I think some of your uh, comments with regards to interventions. Um, I think you'll know from my mandate letter that I do have an expectation from the Premier to put together some recommendations with regards to that, to figure out ways to best intervene with individuals in their addiction. One of the things that comes to mind is when you have an individual who has... Uh, overdosed perhaps four times in one day, we don't really have a very good mechanism with regards to ensuring that we can ensure that that person gets the help that they need or want. And so we're definitely looking at all options to to see if uh, we can figure out a way to best help those individuals and save their lives. Thank you.
2: Michael King, King, Global News. Uh, What specific metrics are you going to be using to measure the success of this task force?
1: Um, Well, I guess with regards to uh, outcomes, part of it will be uh, ensuring that we follow individuals uh, throughout their uh, recovery journey. Uh, One of the aspects that our government uh, was... front and center with regards is to make sure that individuals who are uh, say using certain services that we try to make sure that we can um get data such as personal health numbers and things of that nature right obviously if somebody is going to use SCS we're not going to deny them services uh if they don't provide that but what we can do with that information is we can we can follow the individuals that we have uh interactions with to ensure that uh they're uh progressing in their uh, recovery. I would also just mention that we also have uh, some of the most transparent data with regards to some of the issues that uh, this complex issue of addiction uh, that we're all facing, uh, and that can be found at the Aces website. So there's uh, all the information, somewhat geographical even, uh, with regards to um, calls for EMS uh, overdose. Uh, experiences and things of that nature. So all that information is available and we're using that in order to then be able to inform decisions as we move forward to ensure that uh, the supports that we have are used in the most marginally beneficial way. Thank you. It was mentioned right off the top that um, transit plays a role in this as well um, with people not feeling safe in Calgary, taking the C train, going to LRT stations. What specifically is going to be done from this task force uh, in terms of transit safety? well as you know we 're going to be beginning the work on this with regards to this task force immediately on the transit piece i would uh, I would actually say that I think that falls within the public safety minister's pro- uh, portfolio and so I probably wouldn 't be the best at to, to answer on that what I would say though and i wouldn 't speak on behalf of him for that but i 'm sure that his office will be able to get you further information on that there was a very similar announcement that was made in Edmonton like last uh, this week. Um, it came like sort of after a series of crime. Uh, could you give more details about the specific problems that we see here in calgary? Um, a lot of the issues that we see uh, in Calgary are similar to the ones uh, that you, uh, that you see in Edmonton. Um, the urban areas that you see the two biggest cities in, in, uh, in Alberta, both Edmonton and calgary have seen uh, they 've borne their Larger share of, of of issues on this matter, and so what we ha- are doing with regards to these task force task forces is to ensure that the resources that we have immediately and available to be deployed are used in, like I said, the most marginally beneficial way. I think that we're going to be able to make a lot of inroads uh, in these in our two biggest cities. Uh, as you mentioned, there's a, another task force that we have also struck. In Edmonton, very similar to the one here in Calgary. Uh it was very well received. I think that there were some very good quotes uh from uh even the chief of police saying that he in Edmonton saying uh, Chief McPhee stating that he felt that this was real leadership and it was the first time this is a paraphrase, but it was the first time that he'd seen the right ministers and the right group of people coming together to ensure that we can affect positive change for this very, very complex issue uh that we are experiencing across Canada. Uh, uh, called addiction. So, thank you.
0: Minister Schultz wants to sure. And just to add to that, one of the things that I had pointed out at that announcement in Edmonton is that we, we do see these concerns across the province, but the the challenges that we're seeing in each of the cities is unique. So what we're seeing in Lethbridge is different from what we're seeing in Calgary. It's different from what we're seeing in Edmonton in terms of the patterns we're seeing, the organizations who are on the ground, uh, the nonprofits who are involved, um, and just the way different cities manage different aspects of this. And so this is why we have these very specific groups of people pulled together at the community level so that we are able to have some flexibility in how we respond in a way uh, together with community partners, uh, the city, uh, the police service, uh, the fire service, in a way that matches the needs of that specific community.
1: Uh, I have a question for Mark Neufeld. Uh, what, uh, how is this uh, new um, task force going to help uh, the crimes in the city and everything that police deal, deal with?
2: Great question. Thank you very much. I think probably the big piece that you see here is the level of coordination and alignment. When you look around across the spectrum of the leaders that are here and the organizations that are represented, they're engaged and involved on the ground with their teams. uh, And lots of good work is being done, as we know. But I think it's in the coordination and the alignment of that work, making sure that we're all uh, engaged across the continuum. There's certainly a place for police uh, to be specifically engaged, but there's many times where police are not the best response. And it's great to be able to see leaders at this level uh, coming together to make sure that we coordinate the efforts all across that continuum so that we can have the best outcomes for the people that are struggling with addictions as well as the people in the community that are that are communicating that they're feeling unsafe. Four. Hello, <laughs> it's Scott Dipple from CBC Calgary. Um, for whichever minister would like to answer, um, was uh, I see with the heads of a number of organizations as part of the task force, was Mayor Gondek invited or was she informed of, of this plan?
0: Yes, Mayor Gondek is aware of this task force coming together and it is a little bit more operational. That said, uh, I was very clear uh, with the mayor that uh, we would love to have her input and as we move through or make decisions or make announcements uh, or need additional input that absolutely she will be invited to be at the table uh, and we will make sure that she uh, is kept up to speed on the work that's being done uh, from the folks that you see behind me here today. Okay. And to follow up, um,
2: can you just give an example, perhaps a tangible example of how having a task force in place would either allow actions to happen quicker or what would be different as opposed to the present system we have right now, various funding partners mm-hmm. involved with agencies on the front line, that sort of thing?
0: So that's a great question, and to answer it, I'm going to use an example from Edmonton, and I, I used this earlier this week, that, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting, uh, looking at the front page of the Edmonton paper about the issue of homelessness in in the downtown core, and as I was in discussions with the city, talking about additional shelter spaces, uh, in contact with uh, Minister Nixon, realized that we had shelter capacity. Um we had different numbers than maybe the city had, and we had a major issue because there were concerns being raised about law enforcement, uh, LRT, safety in the downtown core. Uh, and really, as we worked through that, we decided not only did we need to all be working from the same set of information, uh, make sure that all of our uh, collective work is going in the same direction towards that recovery-oriented system of care, and that when we need to address these urgent short-term concerns, that, yes, we're all rowing in the same direction towards that long-term vision, but that we have the right people in the right places sitting around the table to make quick decisions where we need that to happen.
1: Hi, Austin Lee, CTV News. Um, Not sure who would want to answer this one, but I'm just wondering if there's any consideration in the near or uh, long-term future to increase uh, supervised consumption capacity, not only in Edmonton and Calgary, but uh, anywhere else in the province? Uh, Thank you very much for the question. Uh, Supervised consumption sites uh, fall under the uh, idea of services that um, can help to reduce harm. And that is absolutely uh, part of the full continuum of care for the ROSC model, the Alberta model, the recovery-oriented system of care. Uh, that we have been working to implement over the course of the last three-plus years. Uh, with regards to expansion services, uh, things of that nature, we are always working with communities. We are always talking to uh, to, to stakeholders and looking uh, to see if there are places where there is unmet need. Uh, if and when we find those kind of situations, then we have to then obviously work with the communities to, to see if it's something that would work for that. So Thanks. So, I guess, just, just to follow up, no specific uh, conversations about, say, for example, in Lethbridge, I know it's a hot button issue. Um, has there been a conversation around that recently? Uh, With regards to to Lethbridge specifically, uh, what I would actually say is that there have been conversations throughout the province on this. Um, uh, One specific example that I can bring to mind is that in Edmonton, I know that there was uh, discussions with regards to an unmet need south of the river, and I believe that there was consultations with regards to a potential uh, new site, uh, I think it was actually only two days ago, two nights ago, with the community, because that community engagement is obviously very, very important. Thanks. Hello, Brody Thomas, Calgary Herald. Uh, Just uh, wanted to clarify um, is there any legislative changes uh, planned that would uh, come into effect to potentially hold someone involuntarily for treatment purposes? So, as I mentioned with regards to my mandate letter, I have been tasked with regards to uh, putting together recommendations, uh, which could include something along uh, along this topic. What, what I would truly say, though, is, again, if we have situations um, where somebody is overdosing four times a day, we need to have some sort of compassionate intervention mechanism to ensure that we can figure out ways to ensure that he or she gets the treatment that, uh, they need or want. And, uh, and the ultimate goal there is to ensure that we, we can work towards, uh, saving people's lives. And, uh, I guess as a follow-up, uh, Edmonton mayor, so he, uh, was, uh, concerned with, uh, how this was rolled out in his city. I understand you've talked to mayor Gondek. Have you reached out to, um, to the mayor in Edmonton, uh, to, uh, follow up with his concerns?
0: Uh, yes, we. the mayor of Edmonton was aware uh, that this was happening, and I, I know both of the city councillors that are on our Edmonton task force also made it clear that uh, they were aware. I know that in Edmonton they have a process, so in order for the city manager and the fire chief, uh, who were invited to be part of that task force, before they are able to participate, that has to be passed by mayor and council, and we sure hope that they do see the value in those folks participating on our Edmonton uh, panel as well.
1: Great. And this will be our last set of questions. There's no one on the line. Uh, just before the questions, after this, we're going to go down to the six sick sicko room, and media will have a chance to film some B-roll once the committee is set up. Hi there. Mark Filani with CTV Calgary. Uh, just a question. I'm wondering if Patricia Jones might be able to answer this one. Uh, wondering where we're at with warming spaces here in the city uh, and how this task force will help uh, the, the most vulnerable, especially as we hit those minus 30-degree temperatures in the next few weeks here as it gets colder and colder. A lot of shelters are experiencing that overcapacity.
0: Yeah, so your question is about the availability of warming spaces? Yeah, is it? correct. Yeah. I would say, you know, first of all, what I would say is this task force, I think, is cutting edge, and that you're having all these ministries together is, is the only way we're going to make change, and relationship is king. Um, we have an incredibly good relationship with the City of Calgary and the provincial government and have worked together with them to create over, I think it's 12 or 14 warming spaces. But warming spaces are not the issue. It's important to have warming spaces, but what they are is doorways so people who are suffering can have access to services they need to thrive in their lives. Because as much as people may think that you wake up in the morning and you don't want the life that you have, most of the people we serve Really want a different life, so the warming space is a doorway into having other services to recover.
1: Just another question for uh, Minister Nixon as well. Just talking a little bit about um, some of these uh, some of these uh, homeless organizations that are, uh, are have staff that are, are underpaid right now. There's a lot of staff shortages in place right now. How will you support those staff members that are that are struggling to help the most vulnerable?
2: For sure. No, I I appreciate that. Uh, And I I share their concern. Uh, I have been working on that. And and thankfully, uh, my first conversation with the Premier, uh, I brought that topic up. Uh, She shared my concern. And part of my mandate letter uh, is addressing uh, some of the workforce challenges across the social sector. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, I hope to have good news on that front soon.
1: Okay, perfect. Um, if the task force members could follow that gaggle of staff over there, they will lead you to the Six Siksika room. Um, for media, it's just on the main floor. We'll invite you in once the task force is set up uh, to shoot some B-roll if you'd like. Thanks, everyone.